Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. How are you guys this morning? You guys are doing good? Good. Uh, I know it's a holiday weekend. I'm sure a lot of people are out of town, are traveling, having fun, but uh, we're always here, which is awesome. We're always here in terms of being devoted, and that's one of the things that I'm going to share for today, just about biblical fellowship within the local church. Um, we are, as Mike just said, we are wrapping up a three-week series this Sunday. Uh, this morning, two weeks ago, I shared on prayer, and then last week, Mike shared on worship. Uh, this morning, it will be biblical fellowship within the local church. Uh, these are the three things we believe God wants uh, to emphasize the restoration for this season. Uh, we can, f- and just a note for you, just in case you did not know this, you can find the previous recordings on our podcast. We do have a podcast. Some of you may not know that through uh, the Apple podcast. It's on the Restoration Chicago Church. Or you can also listen to that on our website. But I would recommend podcasts if you can because it's, uh, I think you can hear the sound quality will be a little bit better. And uh, if you listen to it on our website, give it some time. It takes a little bit to pull up the information and play the recording for you. Uh, biblical fellowship within the local church. Uh, church community, you may have heard the term church community or church family. It's a term often used by everyone. But I prefer biblical fellowship within the local church because it gives an added element of, uh, of uh, seriousness or importance or uh, a priority is being placed on that. Firstly, because in order to fully understand the necessity or the, the purpose for biblical fellowship, Let's go all the way back to the very beginning. Because in order to fully understand what happened in the very beginning, then it will help us to have a better grasp for why God is designing and wanting us to fellowship with one another, to come together with one another. And to, there's a reason why he's creating the church. It's not something that you go to on a Sunday morning so you can, we can feel good about ourselves. Uh, so... Before I start on the message, I do want to say that uh, this is meant to be encouraging, not uh, challenging. There is some challenging materials in here, but it's meant to be encouraging for us to fully step into the design, the model, the plan of a local church that God has for us. So let's go back to the very beginning. Uh, God created, beginning of time, not just beginning this morning, but the very beginning of time where God created us. And, and designed for us to be in relationship with him. I, I think we all know that, but it's important to be reminded of that because he made us that way because that is who he is. God is a very, very relational God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have always existed in perfect harmony. They've always been together in, in complete agreement, in relationship with each other from the beginning of time. And he created us in his image. Right? I think some of us may know that. Uh, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeliness. So that's from Genesis 1.26. So we were, create, we were created not only in his image, 
but also in his likeliness. So the Greek word for image can be translated as appearance, right? So in our appearance, similar to our appearance and, and the likeliness, the Greek word translate for that is, tra- is similar to like a mannerism. Think of it as a mannerism, like an attitude. It's almost, it's almost like you say uh, a son is, has the same likeliness as a father, right? So hopefully when someone sees Liam, he'll have a likeliness of me in there somewhere. So that's what it means in terms of likeliness. Similar. We're not as the same as we should be, but it's very similar. So therefore, we were created to be in fellowship by God, to be in fellowship with each other, that's number one, but also to be in fellowship with God because that is who he is, right? He's using his own example to create us. Uh, and, and we can see that he's constantly being in relationship with Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit and his creations. So, uh, so the desire to be in fellowship with one another is embedded deep within our DNA, we may think that, well, I just like to be alone. I don't like to be around people. But there's a desire, there's a strong yearning to be a part of something. That's what it is because we were created in his image and in his likeliness. So what does this have to do with the church, you might ask? So as you can see, from the very beginning, we were created to be in fellowship, just like God, right? his image and his likeliness with God and with one another. And I want to provide a background on, on who we are, our DNA, and our, um, our, our makeup when God made us. Uh, obviously, we are all different in, in, I say, in some people are more outgoing. Some people are less outgoing. Some people are, are funnier than others, right? Some are maybe more witty. Some, some can come up with a joke at a snap of a finger, which I wish I had that, that gifting. Uh, and some people are just more organized. I need to be more organized. Uh, some people are more organized, uh, less organized, which that's a gifting that Vanessa has. She's very organized, and I'm not. I'm trying to lean on that. I'm trying to glean from that. And some people, I just do things faster. Some do things slower. So we are whatever our dispositions are, but deep within our DNA, we still have one thing in common, is to be in fellowship with one another. And we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to be with, without friends or without family. And, and as you can see, looking through the Old Testament, God has always intended for his people to be together, right, through thick and thin. Um, his people were dispersed several times, actually multiple times throughout history, but they have always longed to come back together, right? If you read the stories, you read Psalms, you read, uh, 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 you read everything in the Old Testament, they have always longed to come back together as one people, as one family. We know this as, as we can read through the Old Testament. And if you haven't read the Old Testament yet, I would encourage you, strongly encourage you to read the Old Testament because we will refer to the Old Testament often, like period, not just this morning. Uh, so specifically in Psalm 68, verse 6, God sets the lonely into family. He always set the lonely into family. So, so when God say it's not good for man to be alone, it's not just a husband and wife. It's, it's not good for mankind to be alone. So we need to make sure we catch that. So now let's go a little bit deeper, right? So as we have the revelation of who Jesus is, this revelation of Jesus as our Savior, as our, our God, have also within us. That revelation is what becomes a living stone that we have, right? The rock that we have. That the rock, as in Matthew 16, verse 18, it's like, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And I want to emphasize that. On this rock, as in on this revelation, 
What is that revelation? The revelation that Simon, the son of Jonah, declared that, Jesus, you are the son of God. And then Jesus said, this can only be revealed to you through my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. That's a new name. Jesus just gave him a new name because of that revelation. Right before it was Simon, the son of Jonah, but now it's Peter. And that's what we sang about, right? You gave me a new name. The songs that we sang, Glorious Day, as we run out of this and we're someone else new now, we have this revelation within us. So that rock is that revelation. So it's not Peter. On this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So I want to briefly speak on this verse, right? The common misconception, and hopefully not in this church because we talked about this a lot, is that people think that Jesus said Peter is the rock for the modern church. That is an incorrect biblical understanding or translation. Peter is not the rock for the modern church. So the Greek, the Greek word for rock is Petros. So Jesus is telling Simon, son of Jonah, if we go back and look at a couple of verses before that, Matthew 16, verse um, 16, 17, which was how Jesus addressed him in verse 17, right? As I said, and Simon, the son of Jonah, declared that he's the son of God. And the revelation within us, which is the knowledge that Jesus is the son of God. So that is the rock eternal, is Jesus himself. Isaiah 26 verse 4 said, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. So there's only one rock, right? One cornerstone for the modern church, and that is Jesus, and that is not Peter. That is not Peter. So that rock is the revelation that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior, and he will build his church through his people. So once we have that within us, that revelation that Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior, and you are the Son of God, he will use us to build his church. That is how he's building his church because he's gathering each of us as living stones to build his church. So the church was never meant or designed or intended to be any specific building or any locations or any one person. Right? So a lot of time when we refer to a certain church, we may know a name of just one person leading it. That's not it. It should always be about Jesus gathering his people. And this building is an amazing blessing from God. But this building is not the church in itself. Uh, the church is wherever his people, his living stones, living stones gather. However, throughout the years, I think the term church have changed to be a physical church, place. And I can speak that because I have lived longer in my life as someone who's not a Christian versus a Christian. And all I hear about the church is that building. Right? The church is a physical building. I actually never heard people talk about the church as a group of people being built together. So we have given that impression to so many people to expect that the church is, is a physical place. The church has been changed by us sometimes as followers of Jesus to be a place if one goes to visit you can expect to hear from God. It's as if we want to go back to the time of the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament, there's the tabernacle, and they take that with them wherever they go. And if they want to be in the presence of God, they have to go into the inner, the holies of holies, right? Did I say that correctly? I should know what is it called. But anyway, you got to go be in the tabernacle. That's where God's presence is. But now, because of Jesus, God's presence is with us wherever that we're wherever that we go. So instead of explaining this to everyone that each of us makes up the church whom Jesus is building. So we need to start talking like that. We need to start speaking correctly again of what is the church and what is it made of. 
that is within us. And in order to do that, we need to understand how the church was built. In order to do that, we have to live that out to be able to say that to people. So the term church is, as I said, commonly referred to as a physical place is incorrect, right? The church as a physical building was not God's design because he said, on this revelation, I will build my church. He didn't say, oh, let's go to 4201 North Choice Street because I will build my church there. He did not say that. On this revelation of you knowing that I am Jesus, I am the Son of God, I will build my church. So we as people are the ones slowly change our understanding. So let's make sure we communicate correctly of what is the church and how the church is comprised and how is it being built. So, all right, so let's skip to that. So let's get back to the biblical understanding of what is the church and the purpose for the church. Uh, we, we touched on the church was created by Jesus and the church is made of, of people who have the revelation that Jesus is the son of God. So what was the church created for? Let's look at Ephesians 3, verse 10 and 11. His intent was that now through the church, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God's intention was now through the church. Isn't that amazing? Like through us, each and every one of us, because we make up the church. So his intention to let everyone else know that he is God, he's doing that through the church. Wow. Thank you. That, right, wow. As I, the first time I read this a few years back, I was so challenged. Firstly, if I was God, I would not use the church <laughs> to show his power and his manifold wisdom. Because the church, there's a lot of problems. But somehow, God wants to use a church to show his manifold wisdom. It's through the church. He wants everyone else to know of his wisdom, his glory, his power, his majesty, his perfect love, his everlasting grace. He wants to do that through us. Isn't that amazing? Through each and every one of us. Actually, collectively, through us. So I wanted to encourage all of us to look at this as a privilege. So hopefully you are not like me where uh, when I read this, I was like, man, that's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of responsibility. But if we look at it as a privilege that the God who is all-knowing, who created all things, wants to work through us because he trusts us. He thinks highly enough of us. So we should think the same in terms of, what God wants to do through us. So keep that in mind when we think about all the problems and the issues within the church and what the church can do for us instead of what the church can do for us. We are the church. What can we do? How can we let God work through us so the church can grow and mature and step into all that God has planned for that particular local church? So yes, there are many problems and issues because we get in the way. People always get in the way. Right? So whenever you see there's problems within the church, it's usually someone is doing something that they shouldn't be doing. We hear that on the news all the time, sadly. But the best way to fix that is to have a correct understanding of what the church is. Instead of abandoning the church altogether or come up with our own model, 
because we think we know how to do it better. The best way to fix something that is being done incorrectly is to do it correctly. Do it correctly, not do it differently, or not try to come up with a new model, or not try to copy a business model, but do it correctly according to how God has designed for us to do. So we need to go back to scriptures in order to know how to do things correctly and find the original intent of the church and do it correctly according to God's design. Not because I'm in business, so I think I know how to operate a business. I see there's board of directors, and I see this and that, and this is how we need to do it all. I've seen a successful church down the street, and they do things a certain way. No, go back according to scriptures and do the church according to what he called us to do. Um, not because we want to copy someone, not because we want to update it accordingly to the time. Right? I hear this all the time. Well, Hugh... Vanessa, Mike, and Kalina, you guys are in the city, you're in the urban setting, so you need to do it like this. You need to do it like that. Oh, you're in America, you need to do it like this. That's awesome. That's all good and fine. But how are we functioning as the church of Jesus Christ? The church that he called us to be. We don't need to want to have like this certain check and balance system because we may, maybe we have been um, misled or we have some mistrust issues. We, we, we want to follow the model that God has designed for us. So how does God show the world his manifold wisdom through the church? So very briefly, by coming, by bringing together people from all walks of life with different gifting. So God is not Hugh and Vanessa. God is bringing people together with different gifting, different people with different interests, with different backgrounds, with different strengths and weaknesses. So I said God is intentionally bringing people together because he is the one building his church. We have to actually accept that because the quicker we can accept that, the quicker we can actually live with grace and rest to recognize that Jesus is building his church. And he's bringing his people together because he's the one building it. We may think there are many reasons for us to be here, Perhaps some of you may think, oh, it's because it's convenient, or because I have some friends, or because of the, the doctrines, or because of the style, or because of the music, which is great worship, by the way. But the main reason that we're here is because God has somehow brought us here together. The main reason for us to be here is because of God, and he has a plan for restoration, and he's building up restorations. So we talked about the intention of the church, who's building the church, and the diversity of the church. Now, what do we do within the church? So what should we do as a church of Jesus Christ? Right, so let's look at Acts 2, verse 47. So this is the biblical fellowship part right here. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. I, that, that's the things that I really want to emphasize. They devoted themselves. Devoted, I'd say they persevere. They, um, they uh, means constant readiness. It's always being ready. Constant steadfast. They devoted themselves to these things. I say they planned their lives around these things right here. They organized their lives around these things, which we will go into right now. That's what devoted means. It's like, no, that's the main priority. I'm going to work everything else around it. So they, they devoted themselves. So descriptions above should not apply to just people who lived 2,000 years ago. 
uh, a long time ago, I used to think, well, 2,000 years ago, they had nothing going on. They didn't do anything, right? There's no internet, there's no movies, there's no Netflix. Uh, you know, they probably didn't have all their relatives live together in one place. But it doesn't matter whether it's 2,000 years ago or right now or 2,000 years from now. It should still be the same. It should still be the same. They devoted themselves. Devoted themselves to being built up by Jesus. So we want to mirror, we want to replicate and follow the pattern of the church of Jesus Christ according to this passage right here. So let's break this passage down a little bit. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that means Sunday's gathering. On Sunday, we come together and we're trying to hear what God is saying to us. What can we do together? Listen. As in, you know, during the worship time, sing, praise him, worship him. Because whenever we sing and praise God, he will speak to us. He will comfort us. He will reveal things to us. He will bring rest and healing. I promise you, if we put God first, he will bring us rest and bring us peace. So prioritize our Sunday gatherings and prioritize what Vanessa just said next weekend. What we call that is the Ephesians 4 weekend because that's when Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 is, and Christ himself gave to the apostle, the pastors, the apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, pastors, and teaching. So those weekends are the weekend that we invite people who have one of those five gifting to come in to help teach us, help us grow so we can grow in our maturity, grow until we reach the, the whole measure of fullness of Christ, right? Apostle is to learning more about who Jesus is and make sure that he's the foundation for everything that we do and remind us that he's the rock eternal. That's the apostle. Prophet is someone that will come and teach us, help us to learn how to hear from God, help us how to, when we pray, what do we pray? and help us to have a better understanding of what God has for our lives, what God calling us to do, and follow that out. It's not just, well, I'm going to make my plans according to what my parents told me, or according to what society is telling me, or because this is a good way to make a living, or this is a good, fun way to live. No, prophetically is to hear what God has for us and follow that out, right? And evangelism, which Terry uh, Sandy Kruger have that recognized gifting on them, is they will come and help us how to share the gospel as an evangelist. That's an evangelist gifting, is to learn how to share the gospel, learn what to do and have the heart for people when we share the gospel, right? And the pastors just learn how to love people. We all can grow in that, right? Can I say that? Is it okay for me to say that? We all can learn to love people who are different than us, learn to love people who... It's not easy to love. That's what it is. Jesus wants us to do those things also. And, and, not all. And the fifth thing is teaching. So we can learn how to understand more of scriptures. So we need all those five gifting. So uh, if, if we are just all about the prophetic gifting, we're missing out on all that God has for us. If we're all about the uh, um, evangelism, we're missing out on the other four areas of what Jesus has for us. And we need all five of those things in order to grow and mature and become a mature church according to his design. So, um, okay, so that's apostles' teaching. Fellowship. Fellowship is why we have connect groups. Fellowship is about a time to come together, to get to know one another, 
I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I say this all the time. On a Sunday, we probably have, what, two, five minutes to talk about what's going on. And typically, it takes five minutes to get past the superficial. Hi, how are you? How was your week? But fellowship, biblical fellowship, is to gather to talk to one another, to share about what's going on, what we're trusting for, what we're struggling with, how can we encourage one another, and how can we pray for one another, how can we encourage one another. And those are the, we need to have fellowship. We need to be in the connect groups because there's no way that I know what's going on with Marie's life just talking to her for a few minutes on Sunday. I wouldn't know what's going on with her, all the things that she have to work through, have to work with, and, 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 what, and what I can pray for and how I can help her throughout the week. Um, so fellowship, there you go. Breaking of bread, right? Breaking of bread is having meals. We, this is the model, okay? I'm, I'm just pointing back to the model. I'm not telling you guys anything. I'm just pointing back to scriptures. We had to invite people to come over, to break bread. I mean, I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Break bread is to have a meal together. Uh, well, all, some of the things we can do is also go have coffee together, go have lunch together, I mean, go on walks together. I know Vanessa and Cynthia, once in a while, they just like, get together just to go on walk. But at least spend some time with one another, with the people that God has put us together. There's a reason why. He put us here at Restorations. There is a reason, and let's press in and trust in that and get to know those who God has put us together, to stand shoulder by shoulder with those that God has, um, I guess, put us together. I can't come up with another term. So we can advance his kingdom. There's always a reason for that, not just so we can feel good and we can get puffed up and we can be encouraged. But there is a purpose for his church, and that is what? To advance his kingdom. Always, always remember to advance his kingdom. Okay, so we're not done with this verse yet. Praying and, what is it going? For the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I should say praising. Prayer and worship. That's why we have corporate prayer. It may seem like it doesn't make sense, but we do it because the Bible tells us to do it. The Bible says we need to do these things because corporate prayer and corporate worship together, we do that once a month. We probably should do that more often because they said they devoted themselves. We do this once a month. It's just so we can praise God and hear from God together as a church, right? Obviously, he put leaders in place, but he wants all of us to know his plans for restoration so we can all pull together, so we can all go in that direction together, and we can all have the single-minded purpose and understand the vision for restoration, not just, oh, I'm going to another church. What do they do? What does God call them to do? It's like, well, I don't know. Probably worship Jesus. Yes, but what else? What else is God calling them to do? So that's why it's important for us to gather and have corporate prayer. And I say this often. It's also during that time, um, uh, and hopefully this is meant to be encouraging, it's the time for us to learn how to pray out loud in a group setting. And I think that just in general, in our society, is... Uh, I talked about this two weeks ago. Prayer is meant just kind of like pray in silence. That's one of the ways. But there's so many other ways in terms of praying that we can learn other different ways of praying and praying prophetically, hearing from God. And that's a good place for us to learn about prayer. Um, okay, all right, so let's, let's move on a little bit. So this is the biblical model of the church. We don't need to come up with a cool model. Do these things well. 
Do these things well. That's all we need to do. God will take care of the rest. Do these things well. And we don't need to come up with a cooler model to suit the time that we live in, to suit the, the uh, place that we live in. Well, because we're in Chicago. I love Chicago. So I just want to make sure I say that. Chicago is where God has us. But it's not, Chicago is not the best place possible where only God moves in Chicago. He moves everywhere else too. But at the same time, this is where we're supposed to do. Hear what God has for us and carry that out and live it out wholeheartedly. So if we follow this model set up by God and his model, it is from God, transcends time. Can I say that? We can't just say, well, it worked 2,000 years ago. It's not going to work now. His model transcends time, transcends culture. This model works in Asia as it does in South America, as it does in America, as it should does in Europe. His model is regardless of the culture, regardless of geography, regardless of the language that we speak. His model is the same everywhere. So let's devote ourselves. See, come back to that word. Let's devote ourselves to the Jesus model of the church, the biblical fellowship model. Um, We are, and hopefully this is meant to be a challenging, uh, I know it may come off, uh, hopefully it meant to be encouraging, sorry. It may meant to be encouraging, but it may come off as challenging is we're not doing church if we only attend on Sunday services. Because we just read from Acts 2, verse 47, right? They devote themselves to the apostle teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We can't do that just on Sunday morning. They, as in everyone, right? They devoted themselves. Everyone devoted themselves. So everyone within the local church, not just, you, you guys, if you guys are in business, I'm in business, you know, the 80-20 rule, right? 20% of people do 80% of the work. Or if you're in sales, like 20% of your clients generate 80% of your revenues. It's not like a 20% of the people devoted themselves. Not just like the leaders devoted themselves. Not just like the pay staff devoted themselves. They are saying everyone devoted themselves. Every, each and every person. And, and, I'm not going to excuse the young kids either. Everyone means the kids also devote themselves. So if they don't know, it's up to us to teach them. Teach them to devote themselves. I feel I'm getting a little bit too passionate. I'm not yelling at anyone. I'm just very passionate because everyone devotes themselves to those things. That is how we practically live out the biblical model of a church and be the church that is being built by Jesus. So God wants to show the world his glory, his power, and his love through the church, right? So until we do all those things, it's difficult for God's power and his love and his um, manifold wisdom will be able to come through. Not through a few leaders of the churches. That will not come through if only a few people devote themselves to those things. So through each of us individually and together as a local church, we all, we all need to catch this revelation and understand this is what God wants us to do. So with that understand, uh, understanding, hopefully the biblical fellowship has a different meaning. Right? So I think we, we're so used to the church family and church community. What can they do for me? But if we understand what God is trying to do, the biblical fellowship there's a holiness to that. There's a seriousness to that. And there's a priority 
to this biblical fellowship within the local church. Otherwise, we need to catch it, and all of us, I want to encourage all of us to catch it and should be knitted and planted within the local church. Otherwise, we will miss out on the revelation of why it is important to be an active member within the local church. Right? We will miss out on so much of what God has for us. And, and the future generations will also miss out on what God inheritance for them. So not only do we miss out on what God has for us, what he's trying to do through us, but if we don't teach our kids, help them to understand of why we should be devoted to the fellow, biblical fellowship of the local church, they will miss out on the inheritance, what God has for them. And just, just to hopefully give you some more um, information to help you understand more of why it's important for us to try to press in and devote ourselves to, to these things. Biblical fellowship is, I'll quickly go through five reasons for what we will miss out on God's intention when we are not living or we're not devoting to this biblical fellowship of the local church. So, uh, number one, we miss out on how God has chosen to work, how had he chosen to reveal himself, how he has chosen to display his glory in this age. He said, through the church, he is not going to say, well, 2,000 years now. It's been 2,000 years. The church is still not doing its job. I'm going to take over. No, he's saying through the church. That is still his intent. So we will miss out on how God chooses to work if we don't press in and devote ourselves. And this is why he put, as I say, put each of us in a specific local church because he wants us to partner with him in displaying his power, displaying his wisdom, and displaying his love to everyone. Uh, we don't need to or uh, try to come up with a better ministry, right? Let's, like, let's find a better ministry to reach out to so-and-so. Or, or let's, let's go on our own because so-and-so wouldn't listen to me, so I'm going to go on the street and do these things on my own. No, follow God's model. Follow God's model of biblical fellowship, and his manifold wisdom will be displayed through us. He knows what he's doing. Can I say that? God knows what he's doing. And he knows it very well. We may think we know what's going on. We may think, oh, well, God, you know, I live in Chicago. I have kids. They have to go to school. It's expensive here. Blah, blah, blah. God knows what he is doing, even when we don't fully understand it. Uh, second thing is missing out on learning and using our spiritual gifting. Hopefully, this is not the first time you hear this if you've been at restoration. There is spiritual gifts that God wants us to know and to learn. 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians 4, 12, Matthew 25. So grow and this is a place where we can grow and learn in a safe setting, right? In a safe and protective setting. Learning how to have faith. Learning about the word of knowledge. Learn to have to be patient. Learning like hosting and learning how to pray for people. We want to learn the spiritual gifting so we can go and use them because God wants to work through us, right, through the church. So if only 20% of the people know about the spiritual gifting, what about the 80%? Because we can actually exercise that and allow everyone else to see God's manifold wisdom is working through us, working in our lives and working through us into all those around us. Thirdly, is to miss out on the spiritual gifts 
that was meant for you. That was meant for you. That was meant for me. That was meant for each of us. Right? Just, just the same as number two. When we are planted and be devoted to where God has called us to be, we will be gently challenged, if I can use that term. Gently challenged. We'll be encouraged. Hopefully, I'm trusting that gently rebuked, but also we will be loved on, right? This is where we can also experience and learn about hospitality, exercise our gifting in terms of if we have a teaching gift, but if we're not planted in the local church, if we're not devoted, how can we exercise that gifting? We all have a gift. God gave each and every one of us a gift, whether it's hospitality or hosting. I get it. Not everyone knows how to host. But when we are devoted and we spend time in fellowship, we can learn about hosting from someone who does have that, go- that gift. Interceding for someone. Maybe we don't know what it is, but there's a person that may be very gifted in the interceding through prayer that we can spend time with and we can learn what it means to pray for someone. We want to learn to intercede for someone as they go through the struggles and go through the obstacles. That, that's just some of the examples for us. And, and in a place where it's safe, in a place where we know that we will be loved and a place where we can grow in our gifting so we can actually carry out the things that God has for us. And hopefully also in a place where we know that the people around us within our local church only want the best for us instead of the best for themselves. Uh, number four, missing out on accountability. This is, this is a tough one. I know it's a tough one for me, but this is a tough one. Missing out on accountability because God has called all believers to be holy. I, I think we can agree on that, right? Whether you know scriptures or not, God wants us to be more holy, and we cannot do that on our own. I can say this. And believe in it wholeheartedly. Our pride and our ego will never, ever allow us to be holy when we are on our own. Because we will always think we know better. We will always think, well, this is the way. We will always think, well, no one knows what I'm going through. So this is why I do the things that I do. When we are on our own, we can always come up with excuses. The reason I can say that because I'm speaking some from personal experience. Many years of thinking like that because no one understands what it's like for me to grow up on my own. No one understands what it's like for me to, you know, put myself to school. So, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want because you don't understand. You don't know what I have to go through. When we are on our own, that is usually what happens. We must be accountable because that's how we grow. That's how we're being challenged. That's how we're being stretched. There's nothing fun about that, but it's good for us. It's good for us. God wants us to grow, right? To use an example of Peter stepping out of the boat. I mean, seriously, stepping out of the boat, it, takes, it took Peter a lot of faith, right? But he's growing because he realized, oh, my faith in you, Jesus, caused me to do things differently and think differently. So that's the same thing as accountability. And also, uh, we, we see in scriptures a lot about living stones, there's a reason why it's called living stones because stones, when they're being rubbed up against each other, they become smooth. And that's why God can put living stones together. And we can grow in our whole person. 
grow in our characters, grow when we function with others, when we actually able to uh, grow in our resiliency, grow in our forgiveness, not be offended so easily, right? grow in having more patience for those who are much, much different than us. And don't be st- stuck on, this is who I am, I am, and I'm not going to change. Please don't be stuck on that because God cannot use us. He cannot display his manifold wisdom through us when we come in with that mindset. Well, this is who I am, and I'm not going to change for anybody. He's not going to change us. He just wants to grow us, help us to be more mature, and fully step into all that he has for us. And number five is missing out on the sweetest fellowship this side of heaven. That, if I can say, may be the top things for me. We got a glimpse of heaven when all the different people gather together, different background, different gifting, uh, different tongues, different appearances, different races, different ethnic groups, different everything, gather together and worshiping Jesus wholeheartedly. We're striving toward that. We're getting there, but that is what it's like. Get to little glimpse, little taste of heaven for us. So the local church, when it is functioning as the way that God has intended, it's a practice run. They can use that term. A practice run for when we are in heaven. Because if you look through Revelations, no one was kind of standing around sipping coffee while they were worshiping. Read that. I, I encourage you guys to go back. That's a practice run for us when we are in heaven because we're going to be jumping, dancing, or bowing down. That is a practice run for us. Being in a place so we don't miss out on being loved and cared for. And not in a superficial way. And that's why I encourage everyone to fellowship with one another, right? The first three to five minutes, I do this too. It's a little bit more superficial from the standpoint like we need to get to the main point. We need to get to the main issues and share what's going on with us. And if we step outside of comfort zone and grow, that is how we can slowly grow into the more of the image and the likeliness of Jesus. So there are many things that we can touch on regarding the importance and the design and the function of the local church, but I trust you get the point for why it's important for us to be a part of a local church. And there's a biblical model for it, and there's a biblical fellowship within the church. Um, So connect groups, you can use whatever names you want to use. We didn't come up with that because it's a good idea. We see that in scriptures. You can call this like fellowship group. You can call it a home group. You can call it Bible group. You can call it Bible study. It doesn't matter the name as long as we are practicing what God has called us to do. Right? So, so um, where am I? All right. Let's get back to this. So God plants us, all of us, into a local church for this season, for his purpose, and for our own good. Those are the two things, if you can take away from this, I know there's a lot of things that I share, but if you can remember two things is belonging to the local church comes down to two things, which should always go hand in hand. It is for his purpose and for our own good. It's for his purpose and for our own good. Otherwise, we're functioning outside of God's design for his people and for his purpose. Our purpose should always align with his purpose. One thing that, I, that we say here a lot is that we want to partner with God 
versus we want God to partner with us. You know, it doesn't sound that different, but there's a huge, huge difference that I want to say. When we're partnering with God, we're following his design, his plan, his intention, and his purpose. When God, when we want God to partner with us, that means we want God. God, come and do the things that I want. God, come and accomplish my purpose. God, come and fulfill the things that I'm desiring for. God, actually do things the way that I think it should be done. It may not sound different, but it's a big difference in terms of how we say it and how we live that out. Because partnering with God means we need to make changes according to what God wants. God partnering with us, meaning we're expecting God to change his things and do the things that we think it should be done. So yes, God called each of us to be an active member within a specific local church. It's because Ephesians 4, verse 13. I'm bringing this to an end, so just for those who are wondering. Ephesians 4, 13. Until we all reach unity. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Until we all reach unity, into the, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't know if anyone can actually say that right now, let alone all of us, myself included, can actually say this, right? Until we all, all of us, not just the leader, two or three person, until we all reach unity. So I felt it is necessary to talk about God design. So that's why I meant it's meant to be encouraging. So I hope you don't take it as challenging because it's meant to be encouraging. It's meant to be a reminding for us to let's follow God's model, a biblical, biblical fellowship model um, for, the, for his purpose and his design for creating the local church and restoration is one of those local churches. And we want to follow that model. And every church was planted by God for a reason. One of the main reasons for the existence of restoration is to seek out those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. And in order to share the gospel. Or, and, actually, and, and to help people grow more into what God has for each and every one of us, which is to glorify Jesus everywhere in our lives. And if I can suggest some practical applications for how to live out a biblical fellowship according to scriptures is to prioritize, right, devote. We have to go back to that. We, we can't just sugar, sugarcoat this devote. We can't just change it according to our comfort level and our life season. They devoted themselves, so we are to devote ourselves to the things that we talked about, right? Sunday meetings, connect groups, and corporate prayer time. I'm not speaking this from the religious, legalistic standpoint. I hope you never have felt guilty from me when you're not able to go at connect group or corporate uh, prayer time. I understand that, but I just want to encourage us to look at this and try to devote and prioritize our time. You know, fellowship. I want to encourage everyone to have fellowship with one another. You don't need to know everyone, but at least have fellowship with two or three people within the local church so that we can encourage each other, right? We can pray for one another. We can share about the things that we're walking through. Spend time with one another. Share about the wisdom because there are some people who have gone through things that we are going through right now that they can speak wisdom, speak things that we can avoid the, 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 the pitfalls. 
So if someone actually have learned many painful lessons already, well, let's learn them ourselves instead of having to go through those things, right? Learn about um, finance. I know it's a touchy topic whenever I talk about finance. Learn about finance. What does it mean to tithe? Like why are some people tithing? What does that mean? Right? I, I know I, we talked about this often. Tithing is what? Trusting that God will provide for us. When we say we obey God, we're trusting that he will provide for us. That's number one. Number two, according to scriptures, are we obeying scriptures and following the things that, that God tells us to do? And number three, recognizing that God is calling us to be here at a local church, to be in this place in this time. We're not telling everyone you need to be at restoration for the rest of your life. That is not true. But at least for this time and this season, know where God called us to be and let's press in. Uh, and number three, learn about and exercise the gifts from the Father, from Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Right? As, as I mentioned earlier, there's like so many gifting. Right? The Holy Spirit gave us nine gifts in Ephesians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and also the Father has given each and every one of gifts, just like generosity. Right? We, maybe, we may not be generous, but if you hang out with someone who's always generous, that tends to rub up on us. And then we can understand, oh, let's be generous because God is our provider. Be generous because God is generous. So help us to understand what it is. And I talk about hosting, right? Maybe I, I'll be honest. I grew up on my own. I didn't host anyone. The only thing I have cooked for myself was ramen noodle and bread. That's pretty much it. But as we got married and we got to know people who have incredible hosting, did I say that correctly? Who were incredible at hosting, we learn how to host. We learn how to welcome people. So that's what it means is when we gather together within a family, press in. We can learn about those are just two of the very small examples of the many things that we can learn from. So fellowship with one another, learn and exercise the gifts from God. Uh, so if you feel restoration is where God's called you to be in this season, if you have questions about who we are, as Vanessa said, there's a luncheon on September the 25th after church. We'll share more about who we are, what we believe in, and what we feel God is calling us to do. Um, and just know that God called us to be here at Restoration. I think most everyone here, the, when we talked about being at Restoration, I've always bring up, pray about it. Pray about it to see if God called you to be here at Restoration. And if he does... Go for it. Come on in. Commit to it. Devote to the things that we're supposed to do. If he is not, which is totally fine, but he's calling us to be somewhere. So let's go there and devote our time, devote our energy, devote our gifting to that particular local church. But anyway, that's another topic that we don't need to go to. So, um, so when we do these things through our obedience and trust in God, his manifold wisdom will be seen by everyone around us. So that is first and foremost. And if I can end with this, the second thing is, right, so God's manifold wisdom will be seen by those around us. He will work through the church. And second thing is Acts 2 verse 47, the last verse is praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. When we devote ourselves to the local church and follow the biblical model of a local church, we will enjoy the favor of all the people. It means favor in marriages, favor in relationship, favor in parenting, favor in gifting, favor in wisdom, 
favor in discernment, favor in uh, whatever, having kids, favor in overcoming generational sins when we devote ourselves, devote our lives to those things is what make up a biblical fellowship. Then we will be able to enjoy the favor of all the people. Uh, when, when, when you hear favor, we often think about money. It's only one of those things. There's so many more things, right? Breaking off generational sins, restoring people together, be able to live fully in terms of all that God has for us instead of just be just like my biological father. God has an amazing plan for each and every one of us. So then we can enjoy the favor of all the people. I say, if you look around and you can see that some people are blessed and have favor in certain things, but when we devote ourselves, we all, we enjoy the favor of all the people together. So it means coming together with a glad and sincere heart, coming together with our vulnerabilities. That's not an easy one. I just want to pause for that. Coming together and being vulnerable. Because we have a tendency to say, yeah, I know. I know what to do. I know what's going on. I know what to say. I've been through it all. But become vulnerable. Maybe that's just for me. Um, but we need to be able to do that. Come together with our strengths. Come together to ask for help. Coming together to offer help. So we all know that it's not about who's strong or who's weak. It's because God is bringing all of us together. Uh, so I just want to end by saying this. So as we come together as a church to call upon Jesus, be devoted to his, to his design for his bride. We will be strengthened and be built up by Jesus. And when that happens, his manifold wisdom, his power and his love will be seen by everyone and, and all of us will be able to enjoy the favor of all the people. So, uh, amen. Amen. That's uh, hopefully, that was meant to be encouraging. It's not meant to be challenging, but it's meant to be encouraging from the standpoint, let's look back on the biblical model of what is a local church and let's live it out. Live it out wholeheartedly. Let's not go 50-50, if I can use that term. Kind of like half in, half out. Be devoted to that. So, okay, why don't we, um, why don't we stand up and pray? Um, and as a, before we pray, as a reminder, next weekend, Terry and Sandy Kruger will be here. They're not guest speakers. They are coming to deposit within the local church to help us grow and help us be more mature. So they are coming to deposit the gifting that Jesus himself gave to equip the church. So keep that in mind. So just want to encourage as many people and friends as you can. Um, and um, after that, just to kind of give you a glimpse, we're going to go into the series on the Holy Spirit. So for those who don't have, have, may have questions or have a little not understanding what it means to have the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, we will touch on that after um, Terry and Sandy Kuga's weekend. All right, so let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for who you are, God. We, are, we want to thank you that you are the rock eternal that you, Jesus, you and you alone is building your church, that you and you alone has an amazing plan and design for us. And I'm so thankful for that. And I pray, Holy Spirit, we ask in the name of Jesus that you 
will give us a revelation. You will give us the strength. You will give us the wisdom. You will give us the determination to follow your model, to obey you and carry out and live out our lives in the way that you have called your bride to live out. We love you, and we praise you, and we honor you. And we pray to all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. 